All right, everyone. How you doing? Um, back on the Dodgeball Podcast and interviewing another guest from Canada. Uh, you want to let them know who you are? Hi, I'm Katie Morrison, and I'm from the Niagara region in Canada. Now, for people who are probably not geographically in tuned, um, where would that be close to? What state? Um, well, Niagara Falls, New York, where is right across the border from us. Oh, nice. Um, so you're not too far from there. <laughs> all right so uh let's give a quick uh rundown from you um let's talk about um what club do you currently play for well unfortunately because of covid nobody's really running sports up here in canada um right. but i was <laughs> playing for my own league which is dodgeball niagara um we run really fun draft tournaments which is just a, a welcome anybody new experience to the sport um and then we do special events and drop-ins Oh, so you, you run, uh, was it Dodgeball Niagara? Yes. Oh, sweet. How long have you been running that for? Uh, about four years. Wow. Damn. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know you ran that. That's actually pretty cool. And yeah. um, sadly, you guys haven't ra- ran any tournaments, under, you know, understandably so, but. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were able to do two tournaments um, in the last few weeks that are outdoor only with limited numbers. Um, so we were able to squeeze in a little bit of dodgeball, um, now that the weather's getting a little bit better and the restrictions are starting to lift. So we're starting to ramp back up again, which is really exciting. Nice. And, um, I just want to be, uh, I just want to double check. You played for team Canada before, right? I did. I played for team Canada cloth and foam proudly. Proudly. I mean, that's an honor to play in either. So, <laughs> I mean, to, to, uh, to master both ball types, that's actually really cool. Thank you. Um, so let's get a little uh, more into what I call the preliminaries. So um, what's your jersey number and why? Um, okay, so my jersey number, it's actually a really silly story. I'm, I wear number 10 usually now um, because when I first joined Foam Team Canada, there was a lot of established players. I was kind of the newbie on the block um, and was playing. And a lot of the numbers that are more common were taken. So I jokingly said, just give me number 10, because I've always wanted to be a 10. And that number sort of stuck. So now I'm 10th for almost all my all my tournaments. So that's not even a soccer reference. You just picked it sillingly? Yeah, I wanted to be a number 10. <laughs> all right. I know it was a silly reason, but I feel like we got to dig into that a little more. Why randomly 10 versus, say, 1 or 10 I wanted or, to be or 12 or? Like a look on a looks rating at a 10 i wanted to be a 10 <laughs> okay that that that's actually pretty cool because no, i'm a dime son i'm a 10 exactly that's what i'm talking about okay all right there we go you see this is what we call breaking ground katie this, <laughs> this, is, what, this is what i try to do i'm like i'm not gonna, i'm not just gonna settle for one answer no we're gonna dig deep whenever we can no problem so safe to assume katie's a 10 well, I'm wearing the number 10. We'll roll with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Canadians with humor. Never run out of them. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, so <laughs> uh, wh- when did you start playing dodgeball? Like around what year, what time? Oh, my goodness. I started playing more than a decade ago. Um, and I started in a league called EDH. It was extreme dodgeball Hamilton and it was run, um, by Maris Posag, 
Yeah, she started it well over a year ago with her partner at the time. Um, What I loved about that league was it had a really unique rule set. So we can go more into that at any time if you want. Um, But yeah, it's been over a decade that I started playing and and I just join whatever league is local and convenient for me to play. And I try to jump different ball types whenever it's available to me. And I like to travel around as much as possible. EDH, that was a cloth league, right? It was a cloth league. Here in Southern Ontario, we play pretty much all cloth. So, okay. Um, you guys had a tournament that I know a few got a few of Americans went up to. to. Yeah, we have lo- <laughs> lots of tournaments. Yeah, we, um, we play mostly cloth here. It's kind of hard to find a foam tournament. We travel outside of Hamilton to find foam. So London... Um, Burlington or Toronto and then the rest of Ontario tends to play more foam but in Hamilton EDH was the first league that started with cloth um, at the time that they had were importing them from the UK and they were using the 8.5 cloth balls um, and then they shifted down to the seven cloth which is more standard and then the other leagues in Hamilton just kind of branched off and all started playing with cloth Right now, there's a Maris Pogzig that started the EDH league with her partner. She's rebranded, and she's in a league called Play Hamilton now with multi-sports. Um, and she still uses cloth. And then Andrea Falcone runs Grimsby Smash, which is all cloth. And then my drop-in draft tournaments are all cloth. So, okay, if you were to, like, per- percentage-wise, say um, how much of versus foam versus cloth, like, would you say... Canada as a whole is more like 60% cloth, 40% foam, or how would you like divide that, break it down? Um, well, that's really, that's kind of hard to tell because I'm pretty sure, don't call me that Vancouver runs no sting. Um, there are no sting. And then most of Canada, I would say all the other provinces, including the East coast only play foam. And then so- the Ham- Hamilton, Southern Ontario only plays cloth. So I would say it's mostly foam. Mostly foam. Okay. That, that's the impression I've gotten from most guests I've had on and just pretty much social media, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you started playing, what was your first impression when you, when you hopped on the court? Um, well, I loved it. Of course. Um, as we all do our first impressions. Yeah. The, what, like I was saying that when Amer started the, the EDH league, her, their rule set was really unique to other styles of dodgeball and it really encouraged a fast game. It really encouraged um, a fun game back and forth. They, they have different unique real sets to kind of keep people on the court as long as possible. So I always left there with a smile on my face and I, I just absolutely loved the community, the people, the exercise, the challenge, all that that came with dodgeball. Yeah, so you, you were pretty much hooked right away? Hooked right away. Ah, I love the sound of that. Um, so <laughs> if, if you can, um, kind of breeze through what were like some of the like fun rules that you had you said there were a couple rules where it was designed to keep you in as long as you can and it was a fast-paced game so can you kind of explain that yeah absolutely so um um, like i said maris pose i want to give her a shout out because she she did start the league that almost well me and my whole community all started in and what they did was they took the standard dodgeball rules that most people are familiar with And the biggest change that they made was a hit and a catch bring a player back in. So 
a few things changed with that. One is that if you're a rec player and this is your night out with your significant other or whatever, you're not really on the sidelines for long. You're out for just as long as it takes you to have a quick splash of water and you're right back on the court again. Um, so you leave there drenched in sweat. You get a great workout because you really aren't ever off the court for the entire set. Um, the other thing that happens is it allows different strategies because you aren't out for the whole game. You're going to take more risks. If I dive for a ball or do something crazy or take a risk and I get out, it's no big deal because a minute later, I'm right back in the game again, same set. Whereas most dodgeball that plays competitively, only a catch brings you back in. So it's, it's more rare that you return to a game. Um, so yeah, the, hit, the catch and the hit brings a player back in really sped up the game a lot. Um, and it allowed for players who are both defensive and offensive to get their chance to play and to really get their chance to shine. What we found is if somebody was um, predominantly offensive and they were in a situation where it was a 1v6, for example, if it was a catch only brings a player back in, either this offensive player needs to pull some amazing catch out of nowhere to swing the game um, or they have to single-handedly take out the whole other team which is, can be done, of course, but it's more difficult. And you sit there for a long time watching them try and try and try. So all they have to do is use their offensive strengths, take out one player, another player returns, and they can swing a game a lot faster. So as a rec perspective, it, it sped up the game a lot more. And this is only in rec? Uh, no, competitive in this league only. They don't play internationally with these rules. It's only league, but they do have all the way up to A division. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. wow. So uh, I feel like if I would hop in and, and, and play that, it would take me a while just to figure out what was going on. Just because, <laughs> you you know, you're programmed a certain way. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. For but sure. I feel and like I, it would definitely be fun. Yeah. And I had somebody ask me once, they're like, a hit and a catch brings a player back in. Does the game ever end? And I said, no, I'm still playing. It's a decade long game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that was going to be my next point. Like, just <laughs> playing it in my head, hypothetically, I, I think there's people still playing a matchup from 2012. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, ball is life. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So um, when was your first competitive uh, tournament? Um, my first significantly competitive tournament would have been with the WDBF and that was foam in Hong Kong. And that was the first and only time I played foam for team Canada. And that was a really amazing experience to see dodgeball players from all over the world, to see the, the talent pull from different countries, to see how organized the WDBF was. So it, all positive experience from that. And that was back in 2014. Yeah. And that was my first <laughs> competitive foam tournament so you didn't try out for team canada they just picked you i tried out and strangely enough when i went to the tryouts i did not know it wasn't cloth so that was a <laughs> shock to me somebody sent me an email that there was tryouts for foam team canada and so i just saw dodgeball and was so excited and got to the tryout and realized the balls were spongy <laughs> but i tried my best and and uh, i threw it like i throw a baseball and and the, the, um, it was a lot, this was back in 2014, obviously the sport in the whole world and specifically in Canada has grown significantly since then. So the tryouts, there was only a handful of people at the tryouts. So I'm really lucky that I got the chance to play for team Canada before it grew to the size that it is now. <laughs> 
So you, you got an email and it said, try out for foam dodgeball team Canada, but you only read it, the dodgeball part. It just said Do- try out for dodgeball team Canada. And I drove to Toronto and I was so nervous and everybody there was so nice. And they explained to me the rules and they, I said, I'd never played with these balls before, but I loved dodgeball. And I firmly believe that dodgeball skills are transferable. If you can dodge, if you can catch, if you can throw, if you can, you know, maneuver on the court, you learn strategies. It doesn't take too long to figure out how your body can manipulate a ball differently. If you're handed a rubber ball, if you're handed a no sting ball or, or whichever. So I thought if I can just throw this ball against a wall enough times, then I can use that as my, you know, I can try and figure this out a little bit. Um, and then they, I'm, I'm pretty quick off the line from, you know, other sports. I'm, I'm pretty fast. I'm pretty good dodger. I'm a pretty good catcher from playing cloth dodgeball. So luckily enough that those skills did transfer when I tried it for the foam team. And that was the only time you played on the foam team. How many times have you played played for foam team Canada? (laughs) And how many times have you played for the cloth uh, side? There's only been one that we played. Um, so I played, that was WDBF that tournament. And then we've had one WDA tournament that Canada went to. And that was the one in New York City. And I played for Cloth Team Canada at that tournament. Yeah, how is, I mean, and that, that was obviously more your realm, right? Having That was my realm. That. I was way more comfortable with that ball type, with that, those play calls. Um, yes, I, I, was, I was much more comfortable with that style. <laughs> so i'm gonna kind of put you on the spot but i kind of want to know um just from a traveling perspective did you enjoy hong kong more or new york uh well i'd been to hong- new york before uh so the experience of going to hong kong which i'd never been to before was was really exceptional and i what i love about dodgeball from my life in the last decade is Dodgeball's brought me to places that I would have never normally traveled before. When I work full time or, you know, have careers, you get four weeks vacation every year and you tend to go to to Cuba, to Florida, to Jamaica, these these, um, Caribbean destinations that are kind of relaxing vacations. But Dodgeball has used my vacation time and brought me to places like Hong Kong or to, you know, I went to places in the States where you are just because there was a Dodgeball tournament there. And I would have never had the opportunity to travel there or would have never thought to go there and just loved the experience, the culture, um, the people, tried new restaurants, tried new things. And it's all because of dodgeball that I was able to have that. Yeah, um, I can I can say that firsthand for me. Um, I'm totally agreeing with you as far as like places to have traveled. I would have never thought I've gone to places I've technically been to. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends I've had friends I have like who would have thought I'm you know 10 years ago or even more than that if you were to thought if you or if you were to tell me hey you're gonna reach out to so-and-so in England and Wales and Australia and Hong Kong and Canada I'd have been like what what, what am I doing to reach out to these people and it's yep. just because of this game you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I'm not kidding a day doesn't go by where I'm not talking to random players from here or there about either the game or just anything in general. And a hundred percent of that is because of the game itself. I agree. Dodgeball is one of the most close knit worldwide communities. I think of any other sport. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. I could say that wholeheartedly. I mean, do we have our problems? Absolutely. But I would say we're more close knit than anything else. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, you kind of hinted at it before, but um, I'm going to ask you: what, uh, Did you have a you, you have a sports background? Obviously, growing up, you said you meant you played uh, baseball. Um, yeah, I, I threw the foam ball like I throw the baseball. Um, for anyone who's ever watched me play or knows me, I have two very distinct different styles of play. Uh, when I play foam, I throw it like a baseball um, overhand using my rotator cuff. And when I throw cloth I, or, or rubber or no sting, I throw sidearm, which uses all my back muscles. Um, and both of those are from a swimming background. Uh, that's what I was a competitive swimmer for before I met dodgeball. <laughs> So before I'm lucky you met that dodgeball. <laughs> before I met dodgeball and fell in love, but yeah, the, the, um, my background was competitive swimming and, and I'm lucky that throughout my teen years, um, into my early twenties, I was able to develop muscles that have really helped in, in the way that I throw a dodgeball now. You see, that's actually really interesting. We have one player here in the States who, um, uh, actually, I don't know if they did competitive swimming, um, but they did do like some extensive swimming uh, training and they mentioned a lot of the same points when they throw a sidearm as far as like back muscles go and everything. And um, my first job uh, was a lifeguard. Um, so I can, I can, I can see how that would uh, translate for, you know, throwing with your back and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but you would say that it, between swimming and baseball, you feel like they kind of gave you an edge as far as throwing or which one gave you more of an edge when uh, starting off? Uh, well, well, swimming for sidearm and, and I've thrown cloth for most of my dodgeball career. So that's how I throw. Um, and when I switched to foam, um, cause of course you play one tournament all weekend and immediately first thing on Monday, you're back at league again, you never give our bodies a break. Uh, so then it was able, because I had the two different styles of throwing, I was really lucky that I could rest my arm while still playing dodgeball. Um, the baseball background, I found that baseball players translate into dodgeball players really well because it's a reaction sport. Whereas baseball um, and football, similarly, you, you are at a standstill for so long while you're paying attention and then you have to react instantly, move side to side, move up, down. Whereas that dodging comes into play really well um, with a bas baseball background. Nice. Yeah, that's actually, I, I didn't think about that. Baseball is a reactionary sport. I mean, when you think of, when I think about players who start out playing baseball, a lot of them do have quick reactions like that. Like mm. I know on the state side, Dylan, Cody Stidham, Isidro, they all come from a baseball background, but they all have like the quickest hand eye coordination and reaction. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of losing myself there, but yeah. I'm, you have to stand and be ready at any point throughout a baseball game. At any point, the ball can be hit to you. So same as dodgeball, you're lined up in a row, sitting ducks, and you have to pay attention, and you've got these balls flying everywhere. And at any point, the ball could come towards you, and you have to instantly react. Whether And you have to make a decision quick, just like a baseball player. The ball's coming at me. Do I catch it, dodge it, block it? Baseball players have to do the same thing instantly. I see the ball coming at me. I have to know how am I going to catch it first? Then where is it going to go instantly? So these decisions that your brain is conditioned to make on the spot are from different sports backgrounds. And what position in baseball did you play? Center field. I like to run around. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, center field. <laughs> You're pretty much just running laps at that point. Oh yeah. Just run around. <laughs> <laughs> um 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so um, I'm going to ask you, do you have any role models growing up? And did you have any, or do you have any in dodgeball? So let's stick with uh, life. Do you have any, did you have any role models growing up, be it authors, athletes, or whoever, you know? Um, I would say that my life idol um, is probably Jessie Graff. Uh, she's American, so you probably know her. She's a aerospace engineer, but also the best female American Ninja Warrior. She's known for being like a stunt woman. Um, what I really like about her is her attitude on life and how she looks at stuff. I read a lot of her quotes and her biographies and stuff, and, and she looks at life you never know what could happen if you just try. And, uh, and my non-famous idol that I had growing up, her name was Cynthia. And we were really good friends when we worked together when I was in college. Um, and not in a weird way, but we called each other the try anything friends. And we had this really strange back and forth where we would text each other the most random crazy adventure and we had to do it. So she would text me and she's like skydiving next weekend. And I'm like, okay, we're skydiving next weekend. And then I would text her, we're going kayaking. And then she would text me and we would go back and forth with these crazy adventures. And uh, one of the times that I texted her, I said, I Googled, there's a adult dodgeball league in Hamilton. We're trying dodgeball. And she's like, okay. And it wasn't really her thing, but I loved it. Um, and what I liked about that friendship and a shout it to her specifically is that she, we were willing to try anything. And Jessie Graff, who's a famous stunt woman, she kind of has the same mentality of just put yourself out there. If it sounds interesting, just try. And if it's not your thing, that's okay. But as long as you tried it, because you never know what could come out of it. And I tried dodgeball and over a decade ago, just on a whim while we were trying rock climbing and all these other crazy sports that we just wanted to experience. And it totally changed my life. And, and your friend was Cynthia, right? Her, my friend was Cynthia. Yeah, she tried dodgeball. It wasn't her thing. So she got into sailing or something that was her. So that was more her, her uh, avenue she wanted to, to pursue. Uh, but me, I found dodgeball through our, our adventures and, and I never looked back. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. You said uh, you and her are called, uh, was it Try Anything Friends? Yes. <laughs> so okay. Um, and not in a weird way, people. Let's not, not go there. But um, no. Um, it's funny because like, I don't know why, but it kind of reminds me of. And you guys were always down for literally whatever. Whatever uh, we had to go back and forth, and we try to outdo each other. Like if you made me do something that was out of my comfort zone, like skydiving or kayaking or something that was out of my comfort zone, then I try to outdo you and say we're taking motorcycle lessons next week. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of reminds me of um well now we have the show i don't know if it's showing up there but it's called impractical jokers okay and Never heard um of it. you know okay so i guess it's not an international thing um so <laughs> the okay uh have you heard of jackass yes okay so there we're, we're gonna we're gonna use jackass as, as a point of reference so it's kind of okay. like <laughs> so it's kind of like jackass where it's like you have, let's say, Steve-O will eat five goldfish and jump out of a jump out of a um, a stand into a pool of alligators. Now Johnny Knoxville's got to either try it or out, overdo him. Right. <laughs> so it's <laughs> exactly. like when you say you have, you have like try anything, friends. Like instantly, my mind went to okay, Jackass or Impractical Jokers or you know one of those well, like comedy didn't. sketch 
stunt shows. There was rules. You couldn't do anything that your insurance company wouldn't agree with. <laughs> so there, was, there were rules that you, it had to be like an organized something. Um, of course, there's going to be waivers to sign because everything worth doing has a waiver. Um, but it had to be legal and ethical. And <laughs> well, I'm not saying I'm not, not saying you guys are going to like. The other person. Oh, unless you're boxing, then that's a different thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I wasn't saying like anything like that. But I was just saying, well, plus you guys have better healthcare than we do. But we're not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> so if if you guys were to push it a little further, you guys would have better coverage. I'm just saying. Yeah. Most of my American fans know what I'm talking about, <laughs> sadly. But, you get uh, hurt at a tournament. That's our saying. Honestly, if you get hurt at a tournament, you're driving home. I'm sorry if you broke your ankle in New York. You're driving home. Too bad. That's what you guys say amongst yourselves? Yeah. If we go, if we're like in Canadians, when we travel down to the States to compete, if you get hurt at a tournament in the U.S., you just have to suck it up to get across the border till we get back. Cause we have to pay for it there. Yeah. I mean, same. <laughs> Sometimes we either, well, we would either, you know, take an Uber to the ambulance just to avoid a 5k uh, ambulance oh. ride. Yeah. I, I can tell. <laughs> like, you know what? I got this gunshot wound, but you know, let me just take this Uber ride. Cause it's only 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Sadly. I wound, I'm going to drive all the way back to Canada. Border security, don't worry about it. I'm just going back to <laughs> Just ignore all the blood. Just, yeah, just let me go. It's a life or death situation. <laughs> Sadly, yeah, I'm, I'm, po- I'm poking fun at ourselves, people. I can do that. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> and role models in uh, dodgeball. Role models in dodgeball. Oh, there, honestly, there's so many. I've been a, I've been a player for so long. Um, I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, I guess if I had to randomly think of someone, um, when, when I did start playing and I was a rec player um, in, in Amerisa's EDH league, um, there was a, a team that did beat everyone pretty significantly. Um, at, they were called the Cyborgs. And that's who the guys that you referenced came up to play against when they played in the cloth tournament. Um, and they did play in the co-ed division or the open division. And I remember as a newbie, as a total rec player, my team was brand new. We didn't know anything. And every time we were scheduled to play against the cyborgs, my team would always have this attitude of like, ugh, we have to play the cyborgs this week. Let's just try and get a couple sets and then we'll go to the bar and drink kind of thing. But for me personally, I tried to look at it from a different perspective. I was so excited to play against them because I thought that you can only get better by playing against better. And I wanted to get better. I was so new that I would sit on the sidelines and the way that they played fascinated me because I'd never seen, I'd never played dodgeball before. I was new to the world of, of the sport and everything, but I'd never seen them play it so um, organized. They were, they had strategy, they had play calls, they were using each other's strengths and weaknesses, uh, stuff like that. And it was just fascinating to me the way that they had organized themselves after years of playing together. Um, and I, I just wanted to, to learn from that. So I guess that that would be my, who I looked up to. Uh, the cyborgs? The cy- yes, when I first started, I looked up to the cyborgs, yes. <laughs> okay, so um, it took me a while to find it and uh, I'll send you a picture of it uh, later on. So okay. the team of people I knew on the team uh, had Vince, had Glenn, I remember. and a couple Canadians. Yep. They were called the sp- specimen. 
Okay. <laughs> and they had like these white shirts or whatever. It looked kind of, it, it's, I'm not going to get into how the, the, the shirts were designed, but they actually played the cyborgs in the finals. Yes, of course. I remember that. And that was where Vince got, if I can remember correctly, his first double catch. Yes. Yes, there yeah. was a there was a lot of excitement and buzz because the cyborgs really hadn't at the time the cyborgs really hadn't seen a lot of competition. Um, they tended to if there was one really strong player that that surfaced in the league, they would put them on their team. So they they tended to dominate the league for for quite a while. And then there was buzz that this team from the states, Vince Marchbanks and and some of these really really good players were coming up to play against them. So the crowd to see that final game where Vince's team played against the cyborgs, it was like all the community came out just to watch the game. It was turned into a spectator sport, which was fantastic. <laughs> and what was your reaction at the uh, finale? Oh, I loved watching the game. I, I, they, they came up a couple times, actually. That wasn't the only one that they came up yeah. for. They played, um, they came up again and they took some players from Toronto and then they took some players from the UK and made another super team. And they played against the cyborgs and it was really cool to see how fast the game went back and forth. When you see some of these top tier athletes face off against other top tier athletes. Yeah. It sounds like they left an impression over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who was the captain of the cyborgs? Can you recall? Um, I want to say Justin Murphy. Just that was his name, Justin Murphy. Justin Murphy, yeah. I, I'm not sure who the captain was, but Justin Murphy was the main organizer of the team. Okay, all right. That, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so, <laughs> do you have any uh, pregame rituals before a tournament? Pregame rituals, uh, usually just stretching, stretching, uh, jogging, trying to get loose. If you ever see competitive swimmers uh, at the Olympics or whatnot, they, they always just kind of shake on the blocks to try and loosen all their muscles to get the nerves out, stuff like that. So that tends to be my pregame ritual. Um, I found that when I play competitive dodgeball, if I warm up playing catch with somebody and I don't do as good, I drop a couple, we're being silly, stuff like that. Um, it affects my mental state going into the game when I'm lined up in a row with my other players. I think I'm off because when we were warming up, I was missing a couple, uh, which is really silly. I know, but that's just how I've always done it. I just like to stay loose. I like to stretch. I'll just throw against a wall, stuff like that. Um, I figured this isn't the time to practice for me. If I don't know how to play dodgeball by now, I'm never going to learn it. So <laughs> I tend to just really just stay really loose, throw against a wall to keep my muscles warm and, uh, and get in the right headspace. So just kind of like, Shake, get loose, stretch out. That's it. Try not and to hurt myself. Yeah, yeah, the game will do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any like uh, pregame playlists? Like any music you like to listen to? Any artists? Honestly, not really. Usually I leave my phone far away so I'm not distracted. So I, I got to be honest, I, I don't really listen to any music. I love tournaments when they have the music pumping. That's my favorite. Because if you ever see me in tournaments, I'm usually the one dancing on the court. Um, I know that I went to the Sin City tournament in Vegas and had the best time because they always have music pumping. So I prefer that. <laughs> Whatever the DJs put on, I'm happy with. <laughs> any any uh, particular tracks you would love if you can request from the DJ? Uh, just a beat dance music, probably. Whatever gets you loose, right? 
<laughs> in your case that's the name of the game right yeah <laughs> hit me with your best shot <laughs> i mean are you asking me to or are you saying that's, no, your song? that's a song <laughs> okay i was about to say if you want to test me on the court we can find out when we can i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> don't test my gangster now wait a minute <laughs> I actually, as long as the whole COVID thing is is moving in the right direction, um, I'm supposed to be playing in Dallas. Sydney's putting in a team. So yeah. I'll be traveling back over to the States finally and playing dodgeball again. So Oh, you'll be coming out here with Sid then? I will be. That's what I'm talking about. I'll, we'll have some drinks then. We'll be cool. Perfect. I don't know what COVID's looking like over there, but we're going in the wrong direction, but I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> Um, so we're going to get into the crowdsource questions. Um, okay. there's definitely plenty to follow, which I and... haven't had a chance to look at. So now it's a lightning round. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, you looked at one, you answered one in the yes. comments when I told <laughs> that's you that's not right. To. I did answer one. <laughs> I'm gonna have you, I'm gonna have you change that answer. Or give yeah. it to <laughs> <laughs> trying to lie to me on this podcast. I haven't had a chance to look at him. No, you have. Yeah, <laughs> that's all good. Uh, Dominic Borgia, uh, he asked two questions. Favorite tournament? Okay, can I have a two-part answer on this one? Because I can't decide between two favorites. That's fine. Um, my favorite tournament would be playing in a, a league called SFAC. I think it's super fun activities. Um, and they based out of Rhode Island, and it was on the beach, and I had just the best time. The guys that run that are just a blast. They had the music pumping. It was a really, really cool tournament and it was rubber. So that was kind of cool experience. Um, and, and they even convinced me to bring down a bag of cloth balls. So after the tournament, we all threw a fun game of cloth, which was awesome and fantastic. And then when I was in New York, um, Sandlot Sports ran an event that I got to jump in on. I kind of find my way into different tournaments and they were fantastic. They, they ran everything so smooth and it was super fun to play there as well. So my little league the, shout outs. <laughs> so the one in Rhode Island and uh, the one in New York. Yeah. Nice. And uh, favorite place you've ever played in. Um, I'm thinking he means like country or city or. Favorite place ever played was in the UK. Um, I went on a little life mission probably four years ago and now, and I backpacked across England and I jumped into whatever league would accept me as I made my way through each city. Um, and at the time they were called Manchester Bees. I'm not sure if they're still around or not, but they, they, are. they welcomed me to some of their drop-ins and their training sessions. And I just had so much fun playing with them. They were really organized. They were really competitive. And uh, I, I really enjoyed myself at a Man Manchester drop-in. So, yeah, a couple things. A, yes, yeah, they're still around. Um, they're doing a lot of great community work in Manchester. Um, two, um, they're always a team that I always notice that always sends like seven or eight teams to a tournament. Yeah. I like normally you have your a team maybe a b team and a c team yeah and they got pretty much the first like 13 letters of the alphabet covered um <laughs> uh, shout out to those guys and, the, and then one random canadian that was like can i play too <laughs> <laughs> a random canadian <laughs> hey guys 
and a ra- and a random Canadian. Um, but they're <laughs> a random Canadian, an Austrian. Um, they they they're pretty much a welcoming uh, organization, as far as I can tell. Yeah, that was so. my experience when I was there. I'm grateful for that. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to backpacking the UK. So fingers crossed. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> and um, I have Jeremy Bizzle, solid homie, good friend of the podcast. He asked, and this is where we're going to get into it. Uh, favorite <laughs> dodgeball memory. And you. And I can't. And you... I can't say meeting Jeremy Bizzle. <laughs> Wait, what happened? I met him, and Lo- he came to Canada. He played in the London dodgeball tournament. And I got yeah. to meet him and play against him, and and he's an awesome person. So it was really cool to to meet some of these people that you you meet you talk to online or you see videos of in the dodgeball community, and you get to meet them in person at a tournament, which is re- like you and I will meet for the first time in Dallas. Right. It's, I think that's the best part of the sport too. <laughs> and you said meeting Bizzle at London, Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and and we're gonna we're gonna go into the comments for the people who, who probably aren't in the group. Um, Katie Morrison answer meeting Bizzle in London Ontario tournament Jeremy stop it <laughs> I chimed in you're supposed to answer these during the recording you responded spoiler alert <laughs> okay, okay so then I'll, I'll two part honestly my, my favorite memories are any of the people that I've met I've met so many amazing people I I I got to meet Vince Marchbank in, in this in the Sin City tournament and I got to meet Jake Mason there and some amazing people, amazing players that I got to watch throughout my travels of dodgeball. And I, I think that combined with all of the friends that I've made in the community and and even just admiring them from afar, as I know that sounds creepy, but watching them online and stuff like that, and then being able to be in the stands watching these players compete. You know, I think that that's these these are the memories that make the sport. Yeah. And- all that, all that, and a bag of chips. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, we kind of touched on this before, but if you wanted to add more, uh, Jeremy Bizzle also asked, biggest influence inside and outside of dodgeball. Um, like person. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, we kind of did talk about it a lot. Um, yeah, the biggest influence, not necessarily to me, but I think all of dodgeball. Um, there's so many people that I could give a shout out for is all the behind the scenes people that I, I really, as a league owner and as I run events as well. And there's, I just want to give shout outs to all of those people who may not necessarily get the credit that they deserve. Um, like Dwayne Dwingsky and, and Bethel Lascano and these people who run the Canadian side. And, and I, I know they made some changes in their board. So I, I'm sorry if I don't know your names and I hope to learn them eventually. Um, but Jen Ritchie, I know she runs Dodgeball Toronto and, these are the people that have been there since the beginning. And I just, I really respect and I appreciate the work that they've put into it and, and helped grow the sport and specifically in Canada, obviously, because I don't know so much about the rest of the world. <laughs> no, that's fair. I actually got to chat with Dwayne. Um, geez, four months ago. Wow. It's been a while. <laughs> I actually got to chat with Dwayne and um, he was really cool, man. Yeah, he is. I'm, like, like, I'm a big he, fan. And I and I mentioned it to him on and off recording. Um, he's one of those people who is like, even though he has like a high leadership position, mm-hmm. he's one of the most approachable, friendly people ever. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, hand, like hands down, like I don't know anyone who I wouldn't I can put up there who 
has such like a high ranking position and level of respect to the community that I would think, you know what, if I was up there, you know, he, he'd be friendly enough to, you know, invite me out for some drinks or whatever. Like he's just oh, that type absolutely. of dude. Like he's very much like a friendly type of dude. Absolutely. And, and for me, back when I was trying to organize a cloth team Canada, there was politics involved and there was, you know, different issues involved with going to New York city um, for, on the bigger picture. And Dwayne, he didn't have to be, but he was so supportive. He was so supportive. And a lot of people don't realize how much work he does for the sport and how much good he does and how much he puts into it of his own personal time that he just does behind the scenes. He grows the sport. He's always on conference calls, going back and forth, trying to find new leagues and trying to encourage players and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I'm a big fan because I, I have seen him and how much work he's done behind the scenes. And I, I really appreciate what he's put into it. Yeah. Um, Dwayne, we love you, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying this here from the States. So uh, <laughs> just letting you know your impact is uh, very resonating. That's true. Uh, yes. <laughs> so next question comes from our mutual homie solid friend of the podcast and um someone who i'm looking forward to meeting um uh, other than yourself as well sydney somerville ideal oh, okay. lineup with, oh, my uh, goodness. women's and co-ed okay so that question's new let me think about that for a second uh that would depend <laughs> on what style we're playing because uh, my ideal lineup for foam would be different than my ideal lineup for for cloth but obviously on both would be sydney because i think she's phenomenal in both both styles facts yeah. <laughs> and I haven't had as much rubber experience. I've only played a couple fun leagues, um, the Sin City and a few other just beach tournaments. So I, I don't have any competitive rubber experience to even know some of the, the female or uh, if we're doing co-ed, I'm not sure. Um, that's a tough one. <laughs> well, I mean, it's safe to assume if let's say if we're just sticking with foam or uh, cloth, you're you're putting sit on. Yeah, I would put sit on. Um, and the reason, not only is she a phenomenal player, but the reason that I specifically would want her on my lineup is because Sid and I have played together for so long. We have played side by side in cloth, in foam, in rubber, in so many styles. We've also played together in trampoline. We, you know, we're, we're really good friends, but I, I know her and I know her strategy. I know when she releases, I know how she releases. And I think that's really important. I think that um, if you took individual skill sets, it may or may not be as um, impactful as, as a player that's played together and they know each other really well. And I know that in all of sports across the globe, it's a common debate. If you put together a dream team, will they lose to a team that may not have individual superstars, but have been playing together forever? So that's why the question's really tricky for me, because if I picked players from the States, I know Paige Peterson's a phenomenal player and I've seen, and Ashley Cook, she's a phenomenal player from me sitting at home, watching her on TV and watching her on, on videos and stuff. I see how she plays and I know she dominates a court and I have so much respect for that, but she doesn't know how I play. So would she be on my ideal lineup or maybe I'll hold her back or maybe I'll, I'll trip her up because she doesn't know my style. Do you know what I mean? No, that's fair. And you're really trying to like break it down. And I actually respect that. So, um, no, that that all all that, all that makes perfect sense. And to kind of give examples, um, yeah, was it two thousand four? 
yeah, it was 2004. Um, the Olympics, I don't remember where it was. Um, Might have been in Greece, but the United States basketball team, the men's I was basketball just, team. That was my dream team reference. <laughs> <laughs> was the basketball I'm, team, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they weren't called the dream team at the time, but they were playing against Puerto Rico. And yeah. literally that that lineup only had one NBA player on it. Yeah. And Puerto Rico shocked the world. And I'm trying, I'm like, I'm really trying hard to remember where this Olympics was, but I do remember it was in 04. But Puerto Rico stunned the world and beat the United States. Yeah. And um, caused what we what we like to call the revenge tour uh, for Beijing in 08. Yeah. Uh, so you can put up the best players out there, but I could have told you back in 04, back when I was in high school, like, this team doesn't fit somehow. And yeah. you're looking at a team that would probably dominate if you put them together in a video game lineup versus real life. Exactly. Yeah. So. I really like to study and analyze um, dynamics and politics, but, and all the different factors that go into different sports. Um, and that was one that I still go back and forth because I find it fascinating, to be honest, is what is the ideal way to have a triad to get together Team Canada, Team USA, when you have a, a geographic span? Do you take the top team that everyone plays in a tournament and the winning team just becomes team USA, or do you take individual superstars and hope they mesh? And that's it. Sometimes it works out phenomenally and you have the best team you could ever imagine. Sometimes it doesn't work out because they don't, they don't have that camaraderie. So it's, it's really fascinating because there is no right answer. I would actually venture that there is. Okay. What is it? I will actually, please tell me. So here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. And I, we're kind of deviating from the crowdsource questions. It's fine. We'll okay. get back to it, people. It's all good. Okay. Okay. So um, I think there is a way, but okay. it's not going to be the easy way. Okay. And of course, it's not going to be the easy way. What am I talking about? So I come from a sports background. Obviously, we all do. Um, mm-hmm. Prior to um, playing dodgeball, I played semi-pro soccer. Uh, so did some amateur MMA. And I can tell you that the parallels between, say, training martial arts and training in sports, there's there's a big uh, difference. A lot of times when you're training in martial arts, you're thinking, okay, it's a one-on-one fight, but you have a camp of people behind you preparing you for that fight. Right. Now, when you're playing team sports, it's either five-on-five, 11 on 11 or whatever. You have a team that's present and evident right in front of you. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that always makes it work, and I've always seen this on both sides of the fence, is whenever there's a conflict. And here's why. And this, this, is, where, this is where I'm going to kind of point to. One, my favorite football movie, remember the Titans. Yep. That team uh, was, what, back in the 70s, was the number one team in America. And that team on paper had a lot of talent but they just didn't mesh. And it was a lot of racial tension, obviously being in our country, whatever. Um, It was a lot of racial tension, but what really put that team together was taking them away from that and putting them in a, a training camp sort of in the woods. They have to be away from everyone. Let's just remove the politics right now, drop the gloves. Let's just go out there and get gritty, get dirty. We're going to get hurt. We're going to get through this process, but we're going to come out of it together. Right. So mighty duck style. Yeah. Okay. Mighty Tie duck them all style. together and you guys learn to play together. 
yeah, I've never seen the flying V at any NHL game, and <laughs> but no, you get but the, the reference. No, the concept is the same. That you the concept is saying, the same exactly. Yeah. So you're the saying concept, not one way or the other. You're kind of saying you pick the best players and you force them to mesh. Not force them to mesh, but force them to feel uncomfortable to mesh. To mesh, yeah. So what I mean by that is, okay, yeah. let's just put it this way. Let's say if if you look at our USA roster, and I'm not going to sit here and say there's drama between them. There might be, who knows? Mm-hmm. There had to be a point where, say, player A and player B was like, hey, you know what? Squash it. F it. Whatever. We got something to deal with, and we got the world to beat. Let's just make an agreement now to come together, and then you and I can kill each other after, or we could be friends. Yeah. Kind of like make a deal with the devil. Yeah. And I feel like regardless of the process that you guys lead up to it, um, training, selection, whatever, there has to be what um, some people call a come to Jesus moment. What are you here for? What is this team designed for? What are you intended to do? And I'm talking to you, Katie Morrison, player. What are you yep. here to do? Are you care? Yep. Are you, do you care more about the drama you have with female player number six? Mm-hmm. Because she said so and so about you in the in the comments or whatever, or yeah. are you willing to put that aside and put that maple leaf on your back and ride for your country? Yep. Knowing damn well that you can go back and kill each other later, or be friends after the fact, be yeah. mission oriented. Now, how uncomfortable does that feel for you? Yeah. You're. you're I'm. I'm forcing you to face the truth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I feel like. You can construct a team any which way you like, but there has to be an uncomfortable mesh period where you find out real quick whether you made a right decision or not based on how people's perspectives will change. Yeah, absolutely. So if they become mission-oriented, there you go. Results be what they are. Their mindset's right. Yep, absolutely. There you go. Yeah, I agree. I <laughs> wholeheartedly agree. There's no analytics. It's about getting down gritty yep we take it to the streets over here i'm just saying shout out detroit michigan um <laughs> <Shut up. Actually>. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a 30 minute ambassador ride bridge anyone out in michigan anyone out in winter y'all know what i'm talking about if not i'm sorry we lost you a minute ago um <laughs> so all right we're getting back to the crowdsource questions okay. um that was a fun little tirade um Vicky Barclay, who, spoiler alert, I'm going to have next week. Um, you're going to have to explain this one. What's your favorite item from another team, and is it in my jacket? Yes. It, it, um, <laughs> I'm assuming that was just a mistype, and she meant, is it my jacket? Because I'm a huge Vicky fan. Huge fan. She is a firecracker on the court. I love her style of play. I love her attitude on the court. She is... I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan. So when I played in New York city, well, first backtrack, when I played in the UK and I was traveling around, I never got the chance to meet her or play with her. Um, so that was kind of a sad womp womp. But when I was in New York city, she was playing for Scotland and I got a chance to, to be courtside while she played and cheer on and actually meet her in person as we all do when we are in the dodgeball community. And we did a Jersey swap. So she means, is it my jacket? Because I proudly wear her, uh, Scotland jersey whenever I play league now. Okay. Um, you, she she gave you her jacket? She did. Oh, and no, okay, I gave no. her a Canada jersey. Oh, that's nice. 
Okay. I <laughs> okay. I got. I gotta. I gotta correct something. Is it my jacket? I. I, I it's not, is it in my jacket? It's, is it my jacket? Okay. Is, yeah, is it my jacket? <laughs> okay. I'm assuming no. that's right. Unless there's some secret something inside of the jacket pockets, but I've washed it so many times. <laughs> is there a <laughs> hidden, is there a is hidden there pocket a you don't know about? <laughs> no, I, I would think I'd feel it when I was playing all those years, but nope, sorry. Sadly, there's nothing in the jacket. Okay. Um, I got to meet Vicky and I got to see her play and I can honestly say, I have a phrase where I say like I want my you know I want my dogs on my side so to speak and uh, yep. if we did if we did get to play together if I were to construct a team like she would be on it yeah I need people who are like ride or die just like ready to go and she might be like five foot two but you know she'll she'll make you know she'll make a a giant feel intimidated so absolutely I've seen it so shout out to Vicky we'll talk we'll talk later um, <laughs> and a shout out. Um, Maybe you can kind of, you know, break down who who she is. Alicia Thompson, my favorite girl. I'll be listening for sure. Oh, she's a, she's a player here in Hamilton. Um, she plays in my dodgeball league. She also plays in, in Grimsby Smash and, and play Hamilton, some of the leagues around here. Um, yeah, I've just played alongside of her for for a few years now. Her husband is actually on the Cyborgs that I re- referenced and that we were talking about that he played against um, Vince Marchbanks and all them in the game that we were talking about. So that's her right. husband. So she, so she's been around the dodgeball scene for a while. And prior to everything being shut down, she was on the cloth team Canada. So I was really looking forward to playing competitive with her on the court with me. So. Okay. I hopefully wanna... that still happens. <laughs> hopefully. Right. Um, shout out Delta variant for entering the chat. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I want to ask, uh, I wanted to ask this question and okay. this might be a little tearjerker, but, um, Uh-oh. or not tearjerker, but just <laughs> kind of like insightful. We're not going to go okay. to the legacy question yet. So it's obvious you and Sid are like, you know, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Um, uh, I don't know if you watch lethal weapon Riggs and Murtaugh, you know, it's obvious you guys are like a buddy, you know, buddy cop yeah. kind of thing. Like you guys are Yang just, you can't find one without the other. Yep. Um, what's so? What makes your? Uh, I'm gonna make up a word. Duo ship. What makes your tandem uh, at tandem better? So so awesome on the court and awesome off of it. Well, if I tell you, then that's a huge disadvantage going into Dallas now, isn't it? <laughs> okay. How about off the court? Off the court. Uh, I think we've just been friends for a long time. I've seen her play. She's seen me play. We've shared the court so many times that. We don't even really need to talk anymore. Um, I just know in certain scenarios what she's going to do, what her reaction is going to be, um, and vice versa. She knows in different scenarios what my reaction is going to be, what I'm going to do, and we play to that strength. And we are able to back each other up. If I know she's going to go for a catch 100% of the time, then I know I have to support that. If I know she's going to take the throw 100% of the time, I have to support that, and vice versa. She does the same with me. Uh, we have very different play styles, um, which is good. It complements each other really well. If she's going to be really aggressive, then I know I have to be passive. If she's going to be offensive, I have to be defensive. And then we flip back and forth, depending on the game scenario, depending who our opponent is. Um, if I know that she meshes really well with another player that we're familiar with their play style, we'll switch on the court without even saying anything. If the corner, move, if the, the person we're playing against um, 
is able to, Sydney's able to hold with, with pump fakes or anything like that, then her and I will just naturally gravitate to switch positions. Or if she knows that I can handle a different corner, then we just naturally will, without even making eye contact, we just naturally do it. And that just comes from experience. That just comes from more time on the court. And we've been really lucky that here in Hamilton, it is a really small community. Um, and we only play cloth. So we really don't travel outside of here. So we have had a lot of tournaments that we played together. And then when we play cloth, or I mean, sorry, foam, we tend to carpool together to different tournaments. So we figure, well, if we're driving all the way to London, then we might as well be on the same team. So whenever we're done, we can drive back together. And it just kind of snowballed from there that we ended up always playing together. Nice. Um, I know I said it before, but I can't wait to meet you guys. Um, that, that's gonna, this sounds like it's going to be fun. Uh, so now um, I'm going to hit you in the gut with this question. And I hope you had, you had plenty of time to think about it. Okay. So Katie, Katie Ready. Morrison. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're just very positive. It was too fun. Um, how would you like to be remembered after you play your final game? Uh, that's actually a really easy answer for me, um, because we didn't even touch on it this whole time we've been talking, we can talk dodgeball for hours, um, but I actually run a youth league. So playing dodgeball when I'm no longer able to play, um, I mean, I'll probably play till I'm physically in a walker or something. I will be always throwing balls at people, but if I'm no longer able to play competitively or any of that stuff, I have put a lot of my time and effort um, heart and soul into running youth programs. Um, I have a kiddo, he's 10 and I want him to play dodgeball. And there really isn't a lot for the next generation coming up. So what we see from our perspective as adults in competitive dodgeball, we see the WDB or WDBF and the, the WDA tournaments in Sin City. And, and I could go on with all the, the really, really, um, competitive tournaments that are so well organized. And then there's not a lot for youth. I mean, UK is an exception because they do have some youth programs, um, but I'm not really familiar with any in North America to the extent that the adults have. So I was able to run, obviously prior lockdown, um, a youth tournament with the help of so many amazing volunteers. We were able to run a youth competitive tournament where they actually signed up on teams. There was different age groups. Um, a lot of the Cloth Team Canada came and volunteered to be refs or to coach. And it was so, so heartwarming and amazing. That was like a dream come true for me to kind of stand on the sidelines. And even though I love the sport, I loved watching the kids play more. You said you have a kid? I do. And he uh, plays dodgeball. <laughs> oh, he, uh, you have a son. He plays dodgeball? Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, he, has to. he has no choice. He has no choice. He's got to deal with you, you at home if he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but my that, to answer your question, I would say that the legacy is to to try and, and encourage the next generation to love the sport as much as we do. Yeah, a um, couple things I want to touch on. Uh, now I kind of shift what I was going to say, because normally when I ask this question, I always add my input as far as mm -hmm. like what your legacy would be with me. Um, first off, I want to say you're a very positive guest, uh, just constantly i mean you as you could tell we were just laughing the whole time it was just it seemed more like a conversation rather than an interview yeah and um i just want to say you're doing well um setting the stage up for your son and for other thank kids you. thank you um i'm sure he's gonna look at it when he's like 16 17 maybe 18 
and probably try to smash whatever records you have in cloth. And he's going to be like, you know what, mom, I did it too. And he's not going to be the only one to say it. A lot of those kids at that tournament prior to the, prior to the lockdown, they're going to say a lot of the same things. You help provide that uh, platform for them. And out of all the people um, that I've talked to, you have an international reach and people will know your name by the end of this episode and by the end of your legacy. And I feel honored in helping share that with others. Thank if there's you. anything I could say about this platform, this podcast is that we have a global reach and people will know who Katie Morrison is of Niagara Falls. Oh, thank you. I so. appreciate that. And thank you for having me on the podcast. It was great <laughs> to talk dodgeball. <laughs> And um, obviously, we could have talked all night, right? (laughs) It seemed like it. And, you know, this would be an eight hour podcast, but it's 4 4 p.m. my time, probably what, 9 p.m. your time? Seven. Seven? Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, we could, but I don't want to take too much time away from your kid. So, no problem at all. But I want to say thank you for coming on. And And thank you. And um, can't wait to meet you in Dallas. I can't wait to share a couple brews with you, you and Sid. And um, if ever you ever feel discouraged for any reason, um, I'm here. Reach out to me. If you just want me to shut up and listen, I'm good at that, too. I appreciate that. And same. Just know that your legacy and and your legacy is cemented. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. (laughs) No problem. Um, Is there any uh, shout outs you'd like to give before we wrap up? Oh, the list would be so long. Um, obviously, Sydney. Um, the my immediate lead would be Brian Waring and Matt Lopes and or Matt O'Brien. I'm sorry, and and all the people who come to my league to help me ref. Um, I try to run my kids' leagues and, and events right before the adults play. And there's so many wonderful adults that are competitive players that give up their free time to come early to help me run the kids and they just volunteer. They don't ask for anything. And, and I'm really grateful for that. Cause obviously you can't do it on your own. And, and uh, I'm just, everybody that's contributed people who internationally um, anybody who shares things I'm grateful for. So the fact that we have social media in our generation and I get to see, you know, the dodgeball family and I get to see players from all over the world, from different countries and, and keep sharing that and keep, even if you don't like the league owner, for example, or if you're at an event, just share playing dodgeball this week because somebody somewhere might be like dodgeball. That sounds fun. I'll come out and try it. And that's how it's going to grow. And we, I think we all need to band together and just keep sharing, keep talking about it and keep uh, doing things like you're doing, like the podcast. I'm so grateful for this because this is how the sport gets noticed. So thank you. <sighs> Damn, I actually got a little choked up there. <laughs> I actually got a little choked up. Uh, oh. it, it reminds me, I actually do have feelings. Um, <laughs> well, what you're doing, this is amazing. And and all the people who do run individual leagues, no matter how big or small, and the people who just go on a Thursday, Friday night to play, if it wasn't for people like you who made this, uh, Dodgeball Canada says, it's not a game, it's a sport. And I love that saying because that's what I keep trying to tell the kids. I'm I'm kind of tired of people being like, you play dodgeball like the childhood game. It's not. And I think that there's so many in this community that's played competitive or even rec that sees the rules and sees the, the community and everything and understands there's more to dodgeball than just kids running around throwing rubber balls on the playground. And the more that we have these podcasts and we more that we share each other on social media and, 
And, you know, Vince's viral video, as, as silly as it is, I think it's phenomenal for the sport. And the more these things grow, um, you know, all ships rise with the tide kind of thing, right? We'll all have more opportunities in the sport. Spot on, spot on. I actually agree with that more than you believe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and we will wrap this up. And that was my interview with Katie Morrison. Katie, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing us sharing with us your story and just chatting dodgeball because it's obviously something we both miss. Um, yeah, uh, one of the biggest things we're all looking forward to, if you're going or if you've heard, has been the FDC and Dallas in November. And by all, by all signs, it's looking like it's ready to go and we'll be having players from the United States and Canada. So hopefully me, Katie, and Sydney Somerville will have a chance to meet and well, we will have a chance to meet and I'll tell you how that goes. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fun. Uh, next week I'll be having on one of the spiciest players <laughs> in British dodgeball by all accounts in a funny way as uh, Vicky Barclay. Now, what does spicy mean? You'll have to tune in to find out. Uh, thank you so much. Tune in and um, yeah, man, this is fun. Let's keep it going. Take care. Bye.